All right, so after a pretty quick offseason, it seems like just a few weeks ago the Rangers were playing the Stanley Cup final against the Kings, but now they're back to kick off a new season Thursday night in St. Louis against a uh, not really a revamped, but a well-built Blues team coming off an impressive performance uh, last year before their uh, playoff fail uh, once again. And to join me today to talk some Rangers hockey with the 2014-15 season kicking off is Brian Monzo of uh, WFAN, producer for Mike's on, Francesa on the fan, and uh, also on Fox Sports 1. Monzo, how's it going today? 2014-2015, I'm getting old. Yeah, I was gonna. You know, right before we started this, I was I was thinking back to the first time we did a podcast uh, for the Rangers, and it was the 2010-11 season. So this is already the fifth season of this. So I guess it does go by kind of quick. It's, uh, it's sad that I've known you this long. <laughs> well, NHL hockey's back, uh, starting things up on Wednesday night with four games, and the Rangers start on. Thursday night against St. Louis, a tall task to go on the road there, and uh, you know, in the in the season opener against a very good Blues team, and in, in what's probably the best division um, in the entire league out west there, and uh, and you know, the Rangers after coming off this strong preseason, a, a good performance from a lot of the kids, and a few of them are on the team now, uh, and, and it's very different from the, the Rangers teams, uh, you know, that we grew up with for the most part, because a lot of those teams were built by guys who were over the hill and guys who were, uh, you know, just playing out the string of their careers, making a lot of money for the Rangers. And now to see some youth, uh, you know, put in and incorporate onto this roster, it's it's a nice change of pace for them. You know, the best thing that happened for the Rangers was the 2004-2005 lockout uh, with the uh, salary cap and the, uh, the addition of all these young players. And it's kind of been a trend now for a decade, and it's worked out. And you see a lot of homegrown players and uh, – uh, you got young guys like Stahl and uh, your favorite player, Dan Girard, that have been on the team for a while that were kind of home, that are homegrown players. And a captain that we wish was a homegrown player, but he was actually drafted by the Canadians. And uh, a couple new names coming up this year. So it is a, it's refreshing to see. Yeah, it is. And uh, you mentioned McDonough being the captain there, and they have four assistants now between uh, Girardi, St. Louis, <laughs> Uh, Stall and Derek Stepan becoming a again an A on his shirt there, and you know he'll miss the beginning of this season and and after uh, the holdout last season, so two two rocky rough starts. Obviously, this one's unfortunate with the injury, but uh, Derek Stepan gets the A in his jersey. So to have four A's on the same team, and I know they'll rotate him, but a little weird to have five captains in total. Yeah, but it's honestly it's, it's the C that matters the most, uh, and I think Ryan McDonough is a perfect pick. He signed long term, which is obviously important. You know, he'll be going to captains every few years, and I think he's turning into one of, if not the best all-around defenseman in the league. Uh, still young. I always liked the American-born player. As far as the alternate captains, I got no problems with any of them. Even Derek Stepan, who I obviously am hard on from time to time. Uh, you know, I like San Luis being an alternate captain. This could be his last year in the league. It may not be. Uh, you know, he definitely deserves to have one just based on the voice he has in the locker room. And all the other players, definitely the Stalls, the Girardis have, have had some longevity here and, you know, obviously faces the team. So uh, I thought they were all good selections. Well, uh, I was going to get into this later, but because you mentioned it, and that's St. Louis, and, and maybe he'll be playing his last season in the NHL and, uh, you know, getting up there at 40 years of age and, uh, and uh, you know, approaching that number. And, and uh, I, I just... I feel like, yeah, sure, if the Rangers win the Stanley Cup, it will be easy for him to, you know, ride off in the sunset and go out on a winning note. Uh, the chances of them doing that 
obviously aren't great. So uh, you look at the future here, and certainly we haven't even played one game of, of the season yet. But do you think, you know, this is Marty St. Louis' uh, final year as an NHL player? I mean, he won't turn 40 till the end of the year back uh, in June. But, I mean, I can't see him really going anywhere else. He, he's certainly not going back to Tampa Bay. And, you know, he made such a stink to come here to New York and, and with the uh, the Northeastern connections. Uh, I think the only move with him for B to re-sign with the Rangers on maybe like some one-year, uh, you know, low-salary deal. But it, it seems like we're getting towards the end of the road with Marty St. Louis. Yeah, I, I agree with you that, you know, if he were to continue to play after the season, it would, it would be with the Rangers. Uh, obviously, his family is in Connecticut, and he wants to stay close. And, you know, I think hockey is a sport, and you look at some of these guys like Chelios and these guys that played into their early 40s, that a lot of these players look at as sports that they really want to play for as long as they can physically handle it because, you know, once you get to be in your 50s and 60s, you don't, you can't, like, recreationally play hockey if you're a former pro, I, I don't think. I, I, I think it's, you know, kind of a dynamic that you want to play at that, you know, high level for as long as you can. And I'm already saying Louise in, in, you know, better shape than most 20-year-olds. Uh, so I, I think as long as he's physically able to, and, and you know, uh, injury aside, you know, that could happen, you know, it's safe to say. I, I think he would, unless he's, his heart's not into it, you know, I think he would definitely be back for at least one season, maybe two. I mean, if the guy can still play, it doesn't matter how old he is. Well, during the preseason, they had St. Louis uh, taking some turns playing center there, and uh, they said they'll, they'll give it a thought as the regular season starts. If he'll go there, he'll go back to the wing, what they'll do. But uh, they had him centering Nash and Kreider. Uh, some combination of that looks like it'll be their top line and then uh, to go on from there. But you look at the center position, and that's the spot where you know everyone says, and, and, and it was visibly shown in the, in the King series in the final last year, that that's their weakness, that's their biggest flaw is up the middle. And with Derek Stepp, on who's not really a number one center like we've talked about countless times but he's put in the number one center role by default because there's no one else and with him out now they sort of have to mix and match and uh, try to, to come up with some formula that will get them four centers uh, so that you know people aren't double shifting like it's peewee hockey but you look at them up the middle here is is that a concern as we head into the you know opening night against St. Louis and uh, you know I feel like everyone always makes a big deal about who's playing right wing, who's playing left wing, but that only matters, you know, mainly for the faceoffs. And after that, you know, once the game starts going, you know, first guy in the zone and, and whatever system they decide to play, people are out of position all over the place. So it's really only for the draws that becomes a big thing, but I know everyone wants to make a big deal about the Rangers and, and where they are at the center position. And do you think that's a, you know, a cause for concern here as we open the season? Well, I think the center position is something that's kind of like relief pitching in baseball. You can really never have enough of it. And when you don't have enough of it, it really shows. Uh, you know, if you look at some of these teams like the Dodgers and the Tigers that were just disastrous in the playoffs. Um, you know, it's it's obviously been a concern, especially with the loss of with Scott Bonnet and one of your favorites, Brian Boyle, signing elsewhere. Um, you know, it's a if they're if they're utilizing guys that are, are naturally other positions into the center position, that obviously demonstrates that they're having some issues with that position. Um, it's a confusing way to say it, but you know when you're trying guys out there that have never been a career center in there, it's obviously a concern. But you know that aside, you do have Dominic Forbes played center his entire career. You do have Stepan coming back. You have Broussard. You know you have Kevin Hayes who they may move to center for a little bit. Be going uh, to get back from his injury. And I have no problem, you know, with Sean Lee and Upset. I forgot to mention Brad Richards, but Richards is center as well, and he's signed elsewhere. 
after the Rangers caught him or, or uh, should have bought him out. You know, Sal Luis, the kind of guy that's been around long enough, he's smart enough, and I think adjusting the center, even if it's just temporary, you know, isn't much of an issue. But the center's kind of like, you know, he's like the heart of the line. He's kind of, you know, kind of in charge of things. He covers all positions. He's, you know, right at the top of the point, you know, when you're playing defense. So um, it's obviously a concern, but I, I think the Rangers are confident enough that with what they have, you know, they can manage, you know, throughout, you know, throughout the season. So um, that's not an overly big concern of mine, but I definitely think it is a big position. Um, and I, I wouldn't minimize the importance of it uh, with, uh, at any point. Well, with St. Louis on that top line is Nash, who we've, uh, you know, we're big uh, fans of Rick Nash, and and I feel like that fan club has sort of dwindled over the last year, especially after the playoffs and his three goal performance and the, uh, you know, the missed open nets, the missed chances he had, and you know, while he did play well, he didn't put the puck in the net, and that's what. Uh, he's paid to do, and that's what everyone feels like he should do, and he needs to do more of it, and he needs him to do more of it this season in the regular season because, you know, being a 20, 25 goal scorer uh, isn't going to cut it for, for who he is, the way he can play, the way he can go to the net, and the amount of money he's making. Uh, and, and also on that line is Kreider, who's, while he's battled injury, he hasn't been consistent. Um, last year, certainly his best year, playing the most games, 66, and uh, his most points, 37. Uh, but they're also not looking for a half a point a game guy in Chris Kreider either. So I feel like, you know, outside of St. Louis, who, who's got enough to do at 39 years old, he's playing with two guys who really have underachieved and, and need to overachieve this season in Nash and Kreider. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things for this team to be successful is as long as these guys stay healthy and play, you know, 75 to 80 games, uh, you know, you need these guys to score close to 30 goals or maybe a little more for this team to, to really get to where you want them to in the regular season. I honestly, you know, I, I year to year I throw away the playoffs. You know, I, I know that people want to get on Nash and people have gotten on A-Rod in baseball, you know, for some of his bad playoffs, then he had the one good playoff. But, you know, Rick Nash this year could have scored 31 goals in the regular season and despite all the criticism could score, if the Rangers do get to the Eastern Conference final, could score nine goals, and then next year he could score zero goals. I think it's a year-to-year thing. So I don't, you know, Rick Nash is saying, God, the guy, you know, solid regular season player, playoff bust. But I thought he did play well in the playoffs last year. And, you know, look, everybody can think about game five and overtime, double overtime, Rick Nash facing the game on his stick and putting the puck wide. You know, but I'm not thinking about Rick Nash and Chris Kreider in the playoffs right now. I'm thinking about what they can do in the regular season. And I think I'm aligned together with – with Nash's finesse and his size and, you know, Kreider's speed, his ability to get to the net, and San Luis' overall ice presence, that could be a pretty solid line. And I think those numbers that we're hoping for, 30, 35 goals, maybe even 40 for Nash, definitely doable with those players. Well, down in, uh, you know, in the depth here with the second, third, fourth lines, you got a lot of young talent. Uh, the one who stands out the most, the one who's going to get the the biggest or the, the biggest look, the most attention is Anthony Duclair coming out of uh, the, the major juniors in Canada and getting a shot here. And and he was a long shot um, entering entering camp to make this team, and it seemed like he would just you know sort of get his feet wet, go back to juniors, and then come back next year and uh, you know try to get a spot on the team. And he, and he was able to impress enough to get a spot here for the opening right roster. And uh, he has this little tryout period here. Where where he could go back to juniors after uh, what is it, nine or ten games, and I know it's different for him because he he signed after that window, so he's 
you know, he, he his whole contract thing was a mess to begin with, and then becoming the 51st guy to get under 50. Uh, they had to move someone, so they moved Steve Camper. So it's been a process to get Anthony Duclair on this roster. So coming with him is a lot of expectation, especially for a 19-year-old. And you have to go back, I think, to, you know, Alexei Kovalov, who was probably the last Ranger at such a young age to have so much hype and potential around him. And he certainly showed that he has the gift and the skill set to be, you know, a goal scorer in this league and, and maybe produce right away for the Rangers. And that'll be a nice boost. And the first one they've had from a long, long time from a young kid. Yeah, I mean, I also think Kreider had some expectations. He came right in the playoffs a couple of years ago. But, you know, what I've seen from DeClaire that I like the most is his composure on the ice. He's not nervous. You know, the puck comes to him. He doesn't immediately scramble things what he has to do with the puck. He just makes the play. Um, you know, I actually saw that from Kevin Hayes as well, which I like. And, look, the toughest thing for DeClaire, as Elaine Vigneault has said multiple times, is the ability to adapt to the NHL game and play 82 games at a high level. You know, he's only 19. He hasn't obviously developed into his body yet because he's still growing. Um, you know, keeping up with the, uh, you know, the fitness and uh, staying in shape. So those are all the real challenges. I don't think, you know, lack of talent or lack of ability to play is really the question. I think what we, what we can all tell, you know, he can play. He is a player. It's just the ability to play the NHL game at a sustained high level. Uh, that's going to be the biggest challenge for him. And, you know, we can't even predict if he's going to be able to do that. We can just hope that he can. But I think as far as talent level, you know, the skill set's there. You know, he's got speed. You know, he has hands. You know, he's got a sense of what to do on the ice. He has a good ice presence. He makes plays. He's a, you know, most times he could be a little electrifying with his speed. So uh, I think it's obviously uh, right for players and fans and team to have high expectations for him. Uh, we'll see if he'll be able to fill it. I personally think he's going to be very good. Um, you know, sometimes you see a player – you know, that you hear a couple things about and then you see them and you can tell right away that there's something there. You know, in baseball, you know, 10 years ago, and you're going to hate me for this one, but, you know, when David Wright came up, you saw immediately that, you know, he's a player. You know, he's obviously struggled the last couple of years, but you can tell right away that he's going to be here and he's going to stay. You know, you saw that. I, I kind of saw that a little bit with Carl Haglin, you know, when he first came up. You obviously saw that with Mark Stoll. With DeClaire, you could tell that right away, you know, with everything withstanding, he's a player, and it's just up to him to keep it at this level uh, to make it, make sure he has a, a really solid NHL career and a really good first season. And aside from him, they've got Kevin Hayes, who uh, through that you know odd loophole, the first round pick of the Blackhawks becomes a, an unrestricted free agent, got the pick where he wanted to go, and he picked to sign with the Rangers. And he's a big kid, six five, two twenty five. Um, it was scorer at BC, really only scoring his in his last year there. He, he uh, I know people have cited injuries in the past, but I think his point production certainly came uh, from the fact that he was on a line with Johnny Goodrow, Johnny Hockey, and, and anyone would probably score points playing on a line with him. But um, when when Kevin Hayes signed with the Rangers, you know that one day period where a lot of teams were in the mix and it was sort of uh, you know who would get him, where to be near round two. First, people thought he'd go to the Avalanche. He ends up with the Rangers and. 
maybe it was because it was the off season and there wasn't much going on, but there's a lot of hype behind his signing. And you thought that, you know, Sidney Crosby had become a unrestricted free agent for the day with the amount of attention he got. And for someone who's, you know, never played a, a second in professional hockey, uh, coming right out of college, right out of BC, played with Chris Kreider there. He, he's now, you know, has expectations with him as well because he goes right into the NHL, uh, you know, right on this opening night roster. What do you expect from Kevin Hayes here uh, in the early going? Well, you got to remember the also the expectations are high because you know he's a former first round draft pick, so it's basically like the Rangers signed, you know, got got a, a former guy who was drafted in the top thirty of an NHL draft, and all they had to do was sign him. They didn't have to, you know, you know, acquire him, and you know, they didn't have to trade for him. They didn't have to, you know, acquire him at the draft. They you know, were able to sign him to a contract. And so this is a guy who already had expectations before the Rangers signed him. Um, and what I see from him is I, I see another player like Duclair that, you know, is calm and composed on the ice. Uh, I like his, you know, ability, that, you know, how he holds the puck, his hands, or he's got soft hands. He's not, you know, really hard on the puck. He's not, you know, turning the puck over. Um, you know, he, he's another player that, you know, I, I think the Rangers scouts for the last couple of years have done a really good job of finding these talented players and turning them into players. And I think Hayes can be one of those guys. And, I don't think it's uh, um, unrealistic, you know, for him to come in here and score 30, 40 points his first year and be uh, an integral part of the range as long as he stays healthy. Well, aside from the young kids, you've got the old guys and uh, not just St. Louis, but Ryan Malone and Lee Stepniak on this team now. Uh, Lee's 31, Malone's 34, Malone coming off, uh, you know, some personal issues aside from uh, from hockey. And everyone needs guys like this on their team. You need these guys to have, you know, definitive roles in the third, fourth line, wherever they fit in. But um, I guess really, you know, there's not much expectation there. You just hope that, you know, their veteran experience, uh, maybe some locker room leadership can add to this team as you look for, you know, the first couple lines there, the first top nine forwards to to provide the scoring and secondary scoring. So, you know, what are you looking for from Ryan Malone and Lee Stepniak to sort of step into this team, which is mostly made up of young kids? I actually think they're both wild cards. Um, I, I like, I've always liked Lee Stepniak. Um I even tweeted last year during the Penguins Rangers series that two guys that I'd always want I'd take on my team any day from watching that series, aside from the superstars, but two guys I always liked were Lee Stebniak and um, uh, Bo Bennett, the the young player. I I just thought he had a lot of energy. Um, So I've always been a fan of Stebniak. I I think he can come here and if he stays healthy, 15 to 20 goals. You know, he's been a pretty consistent 20 to goal scorer in his career. you know, he could be trusted with minutes. You know, he could play on the power play, you know, if need be. He has a little bit, you know, goal score touch. You know, the same goes for Ryan Malone. I mean, this is a big body that, you know, he's played for the Penguins. He's played for the Lightning. He's done good things on both teams. You know, I think he could be a steal. I think he could be what was the uh, the great Benoit Pouliot from last year. They pay him very little money. He has a decent year and signs somewhere else. And I think he has a role with this team. I think he's a, he can play the power play. He can be in front of the neck and bang some pucks in. You know, a voice from the locker room. I really like them a lot. I actually like both signs a lot, a lot better than some of the other players they signed that, you know, like, like the Lombardis and the Mueller's. I, those are guys I really could do Tanner without. Glass. But those players, but I, yeah, just another winner. Um, <laughs> yeah, those are the two players from that group uh, of experienced players that I thought were solid additions. Well, on D, uh, 
you've got the the usual six from last year. You've or actually not the usual six because six because you got Boyle in there for Strawman. But uh, Dan Boyle comes over. You got Girardi, Clyde, McDonough, Moore, Stall, and then Hunwick as the seventh guy. Uh, no more Anton Strawman, thank God. And I know a lot of people are upset about that. And no more Rafael Diaz, which uh, yeah, I guess you should be more upset about because he fit that seventh role perfect. A guy who could watch a lot of games from the press box and then fill in when you need him. But uh, you know, aside from McDonough being the captain and uh, Girardi and Stall having those A's on the shirt, the, the star comes over and Dan Boyle, who's um, in the same boat as St. Louis here, 38 years old, uh, trying to make one more run, one last run at a cup. And he is on a two-year deal, but a rather cheap two-year deal for him, uh, considering that there was other teams that could have had him and uh, he could have gone places for more money. But Dan Boyle chose the Rangers, and uh, I think they're going to need to lean on him to, to run the power play, something that they leaned on Brad Richards to do and he couldn't really do. So here's the hoping that Dan Boyle has more success on the you know the man advantage here than Brad Richards did. Well, this is the guy that the Rangers have wanted forever. Um, you know, in the last couple of years when he was with Tampa, then he went out to San Jose, and the Rangers have always been rumored to have interest in him. They finally get him. Obviously, it's late in his career, but you know, still productive on the power play. He can still eat minutes. Can you know be trusted with the puck. He makes big plays. I mean, he's got to score twenty goals as a defenseman. You know, at one point in his career. I mean, obviously, obviously, I don't think he's expected to do that this year. You know, but, you know, I think this is a guy that could score close to 10 goals, 35, 40 assists, run the power play, you know, be a good voice in the locker room. I, I love the signing. He was one of the guys that I, I thought they were going to go after. I thought they were going to sign him, and they did. And, um, you know, solid addition. And who knows? You know, they were 15th in the power play last year. And I think their goal is to get into the top 10. He could be the difference. Well, in goal, it's uh, pretty much same old, same old. Henrik Lundqvist, uh, Cam Talbot there to back him up. And I, I saw something today uh, about – um, gambling now that the NHL is back, uh, this you know renowned hockey gambling writer, and he was talking about how uh, the Rangers are a team to fade at least early on here because of uh, not just because of their long season last year, but because of the age and the aging players, and how you should expect a decline in production of Henrik Lundqvist, which you know sort of took me by surprise because he's only 32, and if anything, I feel like coming off last season and the run they made, he'd only be you know that much more willing and at it to get back and, and be at the all-time top of his game and to make another run at the final. So uh, it took me by surprise to think that someone would you know think that he would have a decline in production. And I understand his goalies get into you know their mid to late 30s. You usually see a serious drop off, but at only 32, I, I didn't expect that, and I didn't expect to hear that. And I don't expect it because I, I just feel like Henrik Lundqvist is going to be the same guy he's been his whole career. Now, if there's any reason to expect that Lundqvist is on any type of line, look, it's going to happen. Um, but uh, I think you're looking at five to six years before you see any issues with Lundqvist. You know, he's going to, you know, he keeps himself in good shape. He loves being here. Uh, you got to remember there's no Olympics this year, so he's not going to have to deal with that and flying back and forth from Europe a couple times during the season. You know, this is Lundqvist knows now what it takes to get to the Stanley Cup final. He knows how to play in the Stanley Cup final. He was, you know, very good in the playoffs. It's, you know, obviously great. Um, and I don't see any reason why, you know, he wouldn't stay at that level. And Talbot's a good backup. He was very good throughout the season last year, and he was trusted in big spots. And I think he's going to get 20 to 25 starts. And, you know, I don't think there's any reason to expect that he wouldn't, you know, again, win, you know, 10 to 15 of those games and keep the range in the games that, that he's in. So I think goaltending is the least of the range's concerns. 
Well, a couple of weeks ago when we last talked, uh, we did a mostly Giants-centric uh, podcast, and uh, they were looking to save their season, and they did that. And at the time, I remember you telling me uh, off the podcast that, you know, with hockey coming up, it was just two, three weeks away. You said you had to get your hockey head back on, and it seems like you have, or at least uh, I hope you have, because as we do this right now, you know, the season's underway. Uh, and and with that comes <laughs> NHL gambling, and the Bruins are uh, tw- you know eight minutes into the season still zero zero. So if you did take a minus one and a half tonight and trying to jump on that train from last year, it's not going so well yet. But um, you know how pumped are you that the, you know hockey's back and we had that quick off season thanks to Stanley Cup final. And who are you looking at here early on going around the league? You know maybe uh, to help you with some of these uh, you know minus one forties money lines and some minus one and a half uh, puck lines. Uh- you know, I've said many times, this is my favorite time of year. I love the weather. I love football. I love fantasy football. I love the start of the hockey season. You know, so this is basically uh, Christmas to me. Uh, I do. I love the Bruins every year. You know, for me, I, what I kind of do as far as the extras, if you will, um, I find a team to attach to, and I kind of keep an extra eye on them last year. For me, we talked about the Bruins, but it was also the Avalanche last year. I thought there's a lot of value to be had with them because the expectations were low or not that high. You had a new coach. You know, you had a lot of young players, McKinnon, Landeskog, O'Reilly, uh, and they started off like 10-0, and 0, you know, and you were getting at like plus 390 every game. Uh, you know, Barlamov was the goalie. You know, this year I think the team, I'm not sure um, what, you know, Vegas is putting this team at as far as a game-to-game basis. But I'm going to keep a very keen eye on Tampa Bay Lightning and, you know, see how their first few games are because um, that might be a team to ride the trap. But, look, one and a half with the, with the Bruins, I mean, that team is so uh, dominant in goal. They're so, you know, physically uh, intimidating. I think the loss with Dim was a big loss, but I, I still think, you know, they'll be winning games by two, three goals a game, you know, in a safe play every time you look at them. Well, you mentioned Tampa Bay there, and I saw uh, preseason predictions today, and a lot of people, um, most people had the Bruins coming out of the East. Uh, A lot of people had them winning the Cup. If they didn't have them winning the Cup, uh, they had the Blackhawks. I think the most people had the Blackhawks winning it all. And then um, there was a lot of Kings and some Ducks. But for the most part, it was the Bruins. I didn't see anyone pick the Rangers to win it all. I saw um, people saw them in the Eastern Conference Final losing to the Bruins, but uh, like you mentioned, the Lightning, they're, they're a strong team. Um, you know, it seems like they, they only got better through free agency or, uh, I mean, taking up some pieces of Rangers, not necessarily pieces that I think will make them better, but pieces that the general hockey world thinks will make them better. And, you know, you look at the Blackhawks out of the West, uh, the Kings out of the West, they seem like, you know, sort of shoe-ins here, like what we're getting out of the Cardinals and Giants now every year in, in Major League Baseball. But you, you look at the East here, the Rangers have to worry about um, Boston certainly deep once again. Um, I'm sure they'll win their, you know, 48, 50, 52 games or whatever. It's probably really similar to what they did last year. Uh, it seems like Pittsburgh will probably uh, win the Metro just because they're Pittsburgh. They're built for the regular season. Maybe not built for the postseason. It's certainly been the case the last few years, but definitely built for the regular season. So the Rangers seem to fit in right behind them once again, and, and maybe they're in that tier with the Lightning. Um, I, I hope they're at least in that tier because after that you've got you know the Flyers and, and the Islanders and those guys. But you look at the Islanders and their team who uh, you know they're getting their captain back, one of the best players in the entire league. Uh, they made a couple trades here uh, over this past few days to shore up their d- defense. Uh, and you look outside New York City on the island, did the Islanders scare you here in this division this season? 
they don't scare me as far as the Rangers, but I definitely uh, see them winning over 40 games. I actually made a prediction. I think it was 41 wins. Um, I, I like their team, and I, I'm not one of those Ranger fans that hates the Islanders the whole season. Obviously, you hate them when they play the Rangers. you know. But I grew up in the era where I was very anti-Devils Flyers. You know, The Islanders burned the Rangers in the 80s. That's uh, a little bit before my time as far as my you know, day-to-day, uh, you know, Ranger passion. Um, I like the Islanders this year. I like Kalaki as a goalie. JT obviously is, is solid. I like the additions they made on D. Uh, Grabowski is, is good. I, I have no problem with the Islanders. And I think they're going to have a good year. And, um, you know, I obviously would love to see them get into the playoffs. And, you know, oh, my God, if them and the Rangers play around the playoffs, it would just be absolutely tremendous. It's the last. I mean, the last year there of uh, the Coliseum. You're gonna you're gonna make the trip out there to see it one last time. Yeah, I, you know, it, my my time being uh, <clears throat> if my time allows me to, I'd love to get out there and you know go home with the backache because they have the worst seats in in the world. But <laughs> I, absolutely, I would definitely go out there. Well, as we talk right now, Bruins on the power play, so one nothing there for you, Monzo. Did they get one? Yeah, they just did. Uh, Riley Smith. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a Ronaldo penalty. One of the all-time greats came over in the Louis Erickson trade, I believe. Yep, he did. He did. Well, you know, it is uh, this podcast will run on uh, Thursday, um, unless I do have a chance to post it on Wednesday night. But Thursday's football, and, you know, nothing for all the hype that <laughs> Thursday night football gets because, um, you know, it's basically for degenerate gamblers who – uh, long for football on Tuesday or Wednesday. It can't just wait till the weekend to get their fix in. But Thursday night football has just been a mess this year. And and, and sh- certainly in the past, it's been the road team. And, and statistically, the road team has a really hard time winning on Thursday night football, except for the Giants a few weeks ago. But, you know, you're, before we get to some gambling on NFL, you know, your idea of Thursday night football, I mean, I'm certain, certain that you probably love it because. You love the gambling aspect and the fantasy aspect, from, but from a strictly you know on the field product, it's just been a mess. Yeah, the games have been an issue if you you know don't have uh, outside interest. You know, unless you're a fan of the team, I mean, if you're a fan of the, the Packers, you love seeing them just destroy the uh, Vikings like they did last week. And if you're a Giants fan, you loved watching that game against the, the Redskins two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, but I don't know. I mean, that that the same result would you know. There's a good chance the same result of those games that happen on a Sunday, you know. So I'm not, you know, so sure. You know, I think it might just be really coincidental that these games have been brutal. I mean, the short rest maybe, but um, look, I like the Thursday night game, and, and you know, not just for the reasons, but you know, I, you know, with my job and, and having to be involved in sports literally on a daily basis, you know, I like having things to watch tonight. That's why I like the Thursday night games. You know, the Thursday night game out of tomorrow, I can watch the Rangers on my big screen. I can have the game on my iPad. And I just, you know, I love being involved in sports, like being in a sports bar. So whether I was, you know, whether I had Andrew Luck on my fantasy team or not, I'd be into the game because I like watching football. So, you know, I have no problem with the games and I enjoy watching them. Well, I was going to say, you got a lot going on there. You got Thursday night football, you got games on your iPad, and uh, I guess the, the Thomas the Toy days and the cars and airplanes days are over. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's it's like watching an adventure of Pee Wee's Playhouse, but with two or three games on in the background. It's very, <laughs> very exciting. Well, I know you get excited for your picks, so uh, we got, I mean, last time uh, things looked dicey, but it did end up working out well. So it's a tough week here in the NFL, and, you know, it's only going to get harder I got, for I got four, out. I got four for you. All I right, got let's four. Hear 
We're going to go Indianapolis minus three tomorrow night, Thursday. Uh, you know, going into Houston. I, I just, it took me a while to get on the Indy bandwagon this year. On uh, the first couple of games, they were doing a lot of, a lot of running. You know, Luck wasn't throwing the ball as much as you like him to see. He's finally gotten that going. Hilton's gotten going. You know, Reggie Wayne looks like he's 27. The tight end combo of, of you know, Ahmad Bradshaw looks like he's 20, you know, 23 all over again. Richardson has even been okay. Um, you know, so I really like that matchup. And I also love the Packers, minus three going into Miami. I just love watching Aaron Rodgers. I love Eddie Lacy, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. You know, I, I just don't love I, – I, Brian Tannehill was awful, in my opinion. The running game is very questionable. Lamar Miller, to me, is a backup. You know, without Sean there, he's starting. I don't love that. I don't love any of their wide receivers. I don't like Wallace. You know, I just think Rodgers would win that game 27-6. to six. Um, You like Chris Berman giving out the score, too. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and this might sound like a homer pick, but I, I think Giants' money line is a good play. Um, the Giants, to me, are rolling. You know, their offense looks good. To me, what was what was to me was good about the game last week was how bad they looked in the first half, and they were still able to win the game against a team with a lot of offensive weapons. So to me, they looked brutal in the first half against the Falcons. They came out, were dominant the second half, uh, and they got all three things going. They got Beckham back; he looks good. They got Cruz, who even looks good. Randall's actually catching the ball. Uh, they're now, as, as, despite being shut out, you know, was good last week. And I don't care about the Rashad Jennings. Uh, injury, the offensive line has been good, and I think Williams can run. Uh, so I like the Giants' money line. I know how good the Eagles are and how good their offense is. McCoy's looked bad. Uh, Sproles has been inconsistent. Macklin has been targeted 5,000 times, only has about 30 catches. Um, I'm not the biggest Nick Foles guy. Uh, I like the fact that he looks like Daniel Bryan. Um, but other than that, you know, I just, I'm not a believer in him yet. I need to see a little more. He's going to take the Giants this weekend. To me, here comes the money pick. Put the mortgage on it, oh, God. Um, and I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm a Jets basher. But how the line at this point is only eight. I saw it at seven against the Broncos coming here. You know, I don't care if Peyton Manning loses touch with the time zones and shows up two hours late for the game. <laughs> uh, you know, he'll still win the game. You know, in one hour, and I think that game. I look. I know it's obvious. Maybe it's too obvious. But how that game isn't. 37-6, you know, I you know I would be shocked if the Jets, you know, even sniff anywhere within you know 15 to 20 points in that game. You know, I love that game and um, I love Peyton. And I love that. I love all their offensive weapons. Um, I don't care that Monte Ball's hurt. You know, Ronnie Hillman, anybody, you know, can come in and run and, and be a decoy because that's a, a passing offense. And what Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders might do to that secondary. Uh, it's just scary. So those are my four. Well, I just looked right now, and it says uh, Denver's minus nine. But when you think about it, if I mean, I oh, I don't. I would take them. I, honestly, I would take them minus twenty-one. I was gonna say if they were like thirteen and a half, would you take them? But obviously, you would since you just said you'd take them twenty-one. But the Jets could easily just not score again. <laughs> it's like they. No, I mean, and the Broncos' defense is solid. And I know they have to travel across the country and. And maybe that's an issue, but I just don't see it being an issue. Well, let's hope uh, let's hope that works out for you because uh, 
I feel like a lot of you know sharps and stuff will jump on the plus nine because it's the NFL and getting nine points is is certainly a great value. But like you said, this is a game where the Broncos uh, they they just go out they just go out to set records every week. They don't care. They're not trying to win games. They're trying to, to blow teams out, and they seem to do that every single week. Absolutely, I think it's going to be another route. Uh, you know, they're they're rested. They're coming. They had a bye week last week. You know, so they had that rest going into this game. The Jets had to fly back from San Diego after getting absolutely annihilated. Um, you know, this game just sets up. You know, I, 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 the only one thing, I haven't looked at the weather, you know, for Sunday, so I don't know if we're looking at rain. Maybe that might make an issue uh, of it. But, but, you know, I really just think this is going to be a layup. All right, Monzo. Well, before I let you go, uh, we got to get your picks, your preseason predictions. Uh, Eastern Conference, uh, Western Conference, uh, Stanley Cup filing in the winter. Uh, Blackhawks, Rangers, Blackhawks over the Rangers. So who, and then who would you have the Rangers beaten in the Eastern Conference? Bruins? The Lightning. Lightning, and then the West, Blackhawks, what, Kings? Absolutely, every year. You just lock it up. It's like it's like Cardinals, Giants in the National League every year. <laughs> All right, Monza. Well, uh, we'll have to check in again as we do uh, always throughout the Rangers season. And, and things get off pretty quick here. I mean, they have uh, St. Louis on Thursday night of the opener. And then they go to Columbus on Saturday, uh, home on Sunday night for the opener against Toronto, home opener, and then Tuesday, Thursday. So really the first, uh, what is that, seven days out of five games. I know. It's, I think they have six games in ten days, so it's going to be a busy first uh, couple weeks for the Rangers. Yeah, and hopefully now that they don't have one of these MSG renovation 39-game uh, road trips to open the season, maybe they, maybe they won't be trying to climb out of a 1-7 and seven hole at the end of the month. Hey, you know what? Whatever works. <laughs> All right, Monzo, thanks again. See you, bro.